am Shirley Lord's house. She's, I've been a billet with you for, uh, this is going to be my second night. Thank you for welcoming me to Winnipeg. Shirley, you have a really long history with Mr. George Harris in, uh, in your work with the QSOVSO. So please tell me what your training was when you, before you even started to think about going overseas. Well, my training was mostly uh, life skills. So I started out, I was married very young, had young children, had children when I was 18, so, uh, and had then gone back to school, become a nurse, and then got very active around public health care and the fight for public health care, uh -huh. and also the right uh, women's issues around, issues like access to public, uh, publicly funded and regulated uh, child care. Oh, wow. So, as well as uh, uh, equity issues, uh, equal pay for work of equal value. In those days, it was the legislation in Manitoba was substantially the same work. So, through that work, I became much more politically engaged, and I mean in small-p politics. As well as some partisan politics, but the majority of my work was community development type work. But it was a lot of it was just learning by doing and okay. working with some amazing people in uh, and around Winnipeg. So I was involved in inner city, did lots of community development stuff, working uh, sitting on boards and organizations, challenging governments around. Funding for uh, education, health care, hmm. and eventually evolved that I was a coordinator of a social justice group in Winnipeg called Choices, uh, with an exclamation point for the I. <laughs> we were saying that governments were making choices and we wanted to talk about choices that they could make. Them. And we did that through developing at all levels alternative budgets because I think historically a lot of the push had been saying we want this but we never said okay what are we going to how are we going to fund it or what will we exchange what will we give up so now when I'm thinking about some of the things that you're doing that here those are so many things that uh, we work we do in the development so do you meet George here and then yeah. he decides to take you to Africa his love of his second love of his life? Uh, well, I don't think he decided to take me to oh, Africa. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> I think Who we, am I speaking to? <laughs> I think that we had always, we were very both, we're very active in the community. Okay. Around, and in fact, we have complementary skills. So, as George said, he did a lot of finance and admin stuff in uh, his placements in Africa. But even here, when we were doing the alternative budgets, he would be looking at the financial aspect. I would be mobilizing the community to look at the oh, issues that wow. evolved around. And one of the things you quickly learn is, it doesn't matter what people say they're doing, but how they spend their money is what they're really doing. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I had to do in a lot of this work was do a lot of fundraising, because oh. this kind of work requires a lot of community support. Yes. The other thing that you learned quickly that 
the more you could engage people in financially supporting the work, the more power you really had, not because of the money, but money was a symbol of the commitment to the work. So the more people you could engage in the work through doing the work, but there's, there's this activist community mm-hmm. to do things, and then there's a lot of people who support the work you're doing, but they can only support it because they're busy with their own family and lives. So they, they support it by donating. Okay. So that's really where I came in, was that I had a, a fair amount of a variety of types of fundraising. So we'd done lots of grant applications to foundations and stuff, but also a lot of event organizing and actually direct fundraising, just phoning people and saying, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we we need support for this, and this is what we're going to do with your money. Hmm. So that's where that. Uh, so we always say when we go to Africa, I find the money, and he he makes sure it's properly accounted for. Oh, that's wonderful! So uh, I find the money. Okay, that's beautiful. So your first assignment is to where? Well, I went. Both of us applied to Q, uh, VSO. But we're offered a total of 11 positions. George got six placements to look at. I got five. Not two of them in the same country. Okay, this is the challenge of placing couples. Yes. Yeah. So then we decided to go through a process to decide which positions we liked. And in the end, we concluded that we were going to take this position. George was going to take the position in Uganda. Mm-hmm. Because we off, we thought this position with traditional healers, at, uh, building the links with biomedical and building the capacity of, while George would be doing the finance and admin end, was also a very interesting concept. And that we'd done a lot of work with First Nations communities here, and we knew the importance of the spiritual and uh, uh, cultural uh, teachings in terms of people's health here. So we thought we'd learn as well. What year is that? That was in, well, it was the end of 2003. We actually went February 2004. Mm-hmm. Then when we got in country, I looked at the next round of placements for Uganda, and there was a fundraising position with the National Union of Disabled Persons of Uganda, which was a similar position that I'd been offered to look at in Malawi. So the advantage was that the partner got to meet me. Okay. And we could have, it was much easier for them to assess me, you know, I mean, face to face. And for your family to be with George. Yeah. Yes. So I ended up, just shortly after in country, then becoming a VSO in a placement. Okay. So... I stayed there for almost two years. The organization went through a, a bit of a political upheaval, mm-hmm. which is not unusual in organizations. And the new director that came in wasn't sure. Well, he was taking on a whole new operation. I mean, he wasn't involved in the political upheaval. He came in after. as a result after. Yeah. And so I really wasn't doing very much. So then I moved with George to Theta. Okay. 
uh, and then New Deepu settled down again, and I went back to New okay. Deepu to do some more work once Michael, the director, got more established in understanding all. It, it was enough to deal with the staffing and programming without all the complications. Of so at New Deepu, you, um, you're working in, in you, you just, are you simply writing grants or what are you doing there? Well, in the beginning, that's exactly what I was doing. Now they were facing a major donor crisis. And so I would work with the team of the staff, but I would do the, the writing. Basically, I can't define the program because I don't deliver the program. So, you know, when we were, it was very interesting because we did a big grant application to DFID. And uh, then I got a call from the director saying, we failed to submit the last page. Oh. And I'm thinking, DFID, they wanted like copies of all our bank accounts for two years. We had 14 bank accounts. We had all this other stuff they want to substantiate, you know, that you're legit and you have a history and all their. And I think, how could we miss the last page in all of this? Anyway, the, the one, there were two uh, guys I worked with, and Julius phoned me and said, James phoned you, he said. He phoned me too, he said. There's no way we miss submitting the last page. And I said, but Julius, you're blind. <laughs> How would you? And he laughed. He How said, would you know that? I said, I screwed up. He said, no, no, no. I counted. I can count. Even if I can't see, I can count pages. But it turned out what had happened was one of the persons we'd used as a referee became contracted with DFID to do the shortlist. So this guy had phoned and said, you need to resubmit the last page with a new referee. I can't be a referee. Oh, I see. Not missing. It's just the wrong page. In the end, we weren't shortlisted because then again, they said our admin costs were too high. Oh, so you had to... So then uh, I got uh, wrote to, on behalf... Well, I worked with the director. We sent a letter to DFID saying... We really need to understand how you're, how we've made this mistake because we thought we were within the guidelines. We don't want to make it in future grants. That turned out that the person they had helping them to do the assessment didn't failed to understand that if you've got a program officer who's blind or deaf, who doesn't have a guide or sign language interpretation, they can't deliver the program. So their program team. They're not admin support. Right. So then we actually got the grant. In oh, the okay, okay, I get it. Okay. So they then re-reviewed our grant application. So we were very lucky they got funding for five years. How long are you in Uganda then for that period? Well, we were in Uganda. I, we were in for. I was in for three years. George okay. and I came home. I was finished. Mm -hmm. I had completed my placement. George's dad had passed away. So I came home as end of service, oh, okay. and George came home on bereavement leave because they were asking him to go back up into Bwindi. Right. So then he went back, and I stayed home. Oh. And I worked on a fundraiser here for the Stephen Lewis Foundation. Mm -hmm. With Well, with the money went to the Lewis Foundation. But, yeah. So 
I then stayed home and worked on that. Then we went to Ethiopia. So we okay. resubmitted. So we'll just stop for a moment and go to Ethiopia.